Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Dear Diary. Sixth grade. February 14th. 1991. I am really depressed. How could she break up with me? Mom, you can't read this. I had never had a boyfriend, but I believe I felt I was together at 16. So it was important that my partner recognize how great of a catch I was and how happy he should be to have me by his side. When Jay was in high school, she knew exactly what she wanted in a soulmate. Things Jay looks for in a mate. Male. (laughs) At least five, six and a half. Doesn't sell drugs. Showers daily. Clean ears. Has good dental hygiene. Has good all-around hygiene. In order to be my mate, there was 160 items listed. Yes, you heard that right. 160 requirements just to be Jay's future mate. No facial hair or facial hair without a purpose. (laughs) Has all his visible teeth. (laughs) Doesn't bug me about my appearance. So the list wasn't about me. It was about the other person and what they needed in order to apply for the job. Massages my feet. Paints my toenails. Treats me like his brother. Again, some of these are weird. I don't know, I don't know. Has soft hands. Uses lotion when necessary. Has Omar Epps type qualities. Has Denzelian qualities. knows that I am God's gift to him. Of course, Jay wasn't the only kid in the world obsessed with finding her imaginary Mr. Right. Going to the chapel and we're gonna get mad. 
From PRX and Radiotopia, this is the Mortified Podcast. I'm Neil. And today, we're featuring tales of kids who just couldn't wait to tie the knot. Because unlike most teenagers, they weren't nearly as excited about the prospects of swapping saliva as they were about exchanging I do's. I have 17 journals from being a teenager, and they were all either addressed to my future husband or to Dodd. At 13, Rachel was far too young to be anyone's perfect wife just yet. But that didn't stop her from embarking on married life anyway. So I was so obsessed with preparing myself for this future husband that I started keeping a dedicated book, which I dubbed the husband book. I remember going to like the Sears perfume section and getting this like vanilla orange body mist and just coating the pages of the husband book and then writing, this is what I will smell like for sex. We begin our ceremonial walk down the aisle at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland. Here's Rachel. I grew up in the suburbs of Portland where I attended a very religious school known as church school. I was one of the most devout students. And during this time, I believed that if I was pious and saintly enough, God would reward me with not only eternal salvation, but also a future husband. (laughs) Dear future husband. I am so excited. I have someone to love so much. I'm going to keep myself pure for you. So we have the most fantastic wedding night ever. Your wedding present is my empty box. Love, Rachel. Dear God, am I depressed? I can't be, I'm Rachel. Beaten resilient, right? Dear God. Today, I took an evangelism DVD to the bra saleswoman at JCPenney who had helped me out on Monday. Please fulfill my wild, wild dreams and help the bra lady watch the DVD. Dear future husband. I decided that it would be nice to only hug, kiss, etc. one guy, you. (laughs) I figured that is something God would want too. But I've already hugged a boy. And we're not talking just as friends. (laughs) So, should I pray that I could start from here? Or should I pray to marry the boy I hugged? I don't know, though, if I'll ever see him again on Earth. So everything that was happening in my more normalized teenage life seemed to really be complicating my relationship with this future husband. I think I felt like I was having these secret affairs with real-life people because of everything I'd built up in my mind for this invisible future man. Dear future husband, (laughs) if my life was a book, this chapter would be called Beer, Sex, and Boys with Cigarettes. (laughs) 
Although I still remain officially untapped, I have not been behaving chastely. Dear future husband, I'm done with virginity. I detest the idea of damaged goods. I think that virginity is idolized in church to a degree that degrades those deemed less than virginal. Plus, women are held to way different standards than men when it comes to acceptance of sexual experience. <laughs> Husband, I wrote you pledge cards and promises. I was taught and I believed for so long that the most valuable thing I could ever give you was an inexperienced, untouched body that any sexual encounter before you would stain and ruin the only thing I had to offer. What a narrow view! <laughs> I am worth so much more than the empty box I thought should represent me. I kept the husband book for about five years, from when I was 13 to when I went to college. I guess in a way it felt like I, you know, was free from a bad relationship and when I gave up writing in the husband book, almost like I had a little bit of a divorce. Now I'm 26 and I've been dating someone for four years now and I told him, you know, if we get married, I have to give you the husband book, right? And he said, oh God, we can't get married. Dear future husband, I have an idea for a tradition. A weekend night that is dedicated to sets, pasta, and beer. <laughs> Hedonistic Saturday or something. So, after orgasms, we have pasta from a box. <laughs> then serve it with beer and eat it in bed with an abundance of stuffed animals. <laughs> We can scratch the stuffed animals part if you want. Thank you. While Rachel was saving herself for a marriage that was in the far-off distant future, other kids like Andrew Hager had no such patience. My grandmother got married when she was 16. Uh, my father got married when he was 19. And so I had this idea in my head that when you get out of high school, that's the first thing you do, is you get married. And when Andrew was in high school, he found himself in his first serious relationship. He was so convinced that she was the one, that he wrote a story imagining their lives together. I believe the thinking was to give her a glimpse of the future, but it ended up being a very serious and somber, and I think that's where I went wrong. Here's Andrew sharing his version of married life on stage in Baltimore. What I'm going to read for you now are some excerpts from a romantic story I wrote for her in the fall of 1999. <laughs> Essentially, it's speculative fiction about our marriage, starting with the wedding night. He glanced at her and she smiled faintly as if hearing a good joke at a funeral. They walked slowly to the ice cream shop a block from their hotel, not saying anything. Neither one of them felt particularly comfortable tonight. 
Perhaps it was simply a silence brought on by the sheer joy of finding a compliment, a yin for the yang, so to speak. <laughs> Regardless, they were silent as they ate their Sundays in the parlor's first booth. <laughs> Now, I want to interject here and say that it should be obvious to all of you that I was a virgin when I wrote this. <laughs> and I don't know why 18-year-old me thought that newly married people would be too nervous about sex. Um, and I don't know why 18-year-old me thought that an ice cream parlor was a safe space. <laughs> But there we are. Um, <laughs> He felt himself losing his appetite. She dominated his thoughts. How could he eat at a time like this? <laughs> Honey, she said. Your ice cream is melting. He smiled. I know. <laughs> Are you going to eat it? What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing is wrong. Everything is too wonderful. <laughs> That night they shared themselves with each other as they had never done before. <laughs> they made love into the morning hours. I was optimistic. before falling asleep in each other's arms. The future was full of possibilities and waiting to be shared. And then we have several pages of what our marriage was like. You know, we have a, we have a daughter, and the, then there's a scene where my wife is sick and I take care of her, and then there's one where I lose my job. And we... Because <laughs> that's, that's romantic as shit right there. Um, throughout it all, we struggle to make our marriage work And then this happens. The church was dim on the inside, shadows hanging over the proceedings like a wet blanket. It seemed somewhat appropriate. After all, this was a funeral. Now that she looked at his open casket, seeing him inside in his black suit, she noted the similarities to their wedding day. The flowers, the pastor, the church. A moderate crowd was here. Not quite as big as their wedding guest list, but substantial nonetheless. And I have no idea, like, who takes attendance at a funeral? She looked into the open casket at this gray-haired, wrinkled man who had once been her lover, her partner, her yang. Her future was drawing to a close which was all right with her. Without him, she didn't want one anyway. <laughs> so I wrote this and like, I, I gave the woman or the, this woman I was dating this depressing ending. Um, <laughs> as you might have guessed, things didn't work out with Anne. After breaking up with what he assumed was his future wife, Andrew spent the next year in a total funk. Then one day, while working at the college campus movie theater, He struck up a conversation with the girl who sold tickets. I'm having this conversation with my coworker, and she starts asking me about the girl I had been dating and why we broke up. When she said, I wish I could marry someone who was too nice, my natural response was just to say, oh, we should get married. Will you marry me? And then the next week we went on a date. We were married within 10 months of dating. So it was kind of like the thing I always wanted. It just wasn't with the first person that I imagined it was going to be with. 
For Andrew, being in a rush to get married wasn't really misguided after all. But that's not always the case. And as you're about to hear, moving in with someone when you're still just a teenager comes with its own unique set of baggage. Here's Maria on stage in Baltimore. High school was a really rough time for me. My parents were divorced and I moved down to North Carolina my 10th grade year, live with my mom. My dad's family is Dominican and my mom's side is black. So growing up, I never really felt like I fit in with either side. I was either too Dominican for my black side of the family or too black for my Dominican side of the family. Because of this, all I ever really wanted was a family where I was loved and where I felt belonged. My senior year of high school, I met a boy named Dana. I thought I found my chance to have the family and happily ever romance that I'd always wanted. October 30th, 2004. Every time autumn gets here, shit always changes on me. I'm in 12th grade and work and live with Dana, but shit is crazy. I want to trust this man and be 100% free with him, but for some reason, it's not happening. We have our whole lives, but I don't want to spend the majority of our lives trying to be happy. I want to be happy and spend our lives loving each other. December 26th. Earlier today, I was thinking about having his baby. I told Dana, and he really didn't say anything. I know I would have to finish high school, and I am, but when I do, I want to have his child. I want to be a good mother. I want to have a family and not feel left out. I want to make a miracle, be fruitful, and multiply. (laughs) December 30th. He's mad because I woke him up at 10.22 a.m. after he woke me up at 4 a.m. from coming home from the club. The year's almost over. Get over it and be happy. January 7th, 2005. A poem. I've asked for many explanations, like why my dad don't love me and why bitches be hating. But instead of answers, I get lessons, ones that never answer my questions. January 9th. (laughs) This whole thing is crazy and confusing to me. I still haven't learned to trust him 100%, and I don't believe I ever will. It's not because I'm insecure. It's because he's stupid. (laughs) I want to trust him 100%. I also want to light his eyes up, but not only after head or sex or a good meal. I want it to be like how it was in the beginning. He was always on me, he made me feel good, and now all we do is eat, fuck, shower, and sleep. What about laughing and enjoying each other? January 17th. Today makes it a month since we've been living here. His family came over last night. I cooked baked pork chops, macaroni, homemade mashed potatoes, cornbread, and greens. Dana didn't go to work today. As for the guests, they hardly clean up and always make a mess. They smoke and then eat up everything. Well, anyways, I'm about to take a shit and then clean up the room. Thank you, Lord, for everything. One month later, February 25th, our wedding day. I'm loving it. I'm a million percent content with my decision, our decision. We're one now and will be that way until death do us part. 
I couldn't have chosen a better husband. All of our bad times and insecurities are behind us. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. What we did today, married at 4 p.m., went to Red Lobsters. <laughs> March 29th. The last thing I wrote in here, I had just gotten married. A lot has changed since then. I found out I'm pregnant three days after we got married. I love him, but he's really been being an asshole lately. He keeps saying that I'm using my pregnancy as an excuse or I'm just acting sick and I'm really not. He's inconsiderate, cheap, and lazy. April 25th. So it's been two months today since I got married. I can say it's not what I once expected, nor is it anything like the fairy tale description. If Dana and I could have a better relationship, no arguing and better communication, then I would have a perfect life. But even though I love him on the worst days, I honestly feel like I could hate him. But besides that, I think marriage with Dana is beautiful. <laughs> so, Dana and I ended up lasting a few more years and had two beautiful sons. Looking back and reading these entries, I see now that there were clear warning signs about the relationship. Um, yes, I was young, but I was really just wanted a place where I could be loved for being me. Um, and obviously marriage with Dana was not that place. Around this time um, of the last entry, I wrote a letter to my yet to be born son. Dear son, I want the best for you. I don't want you to go through the things I had to. I need you to know it's okay to make a few mistakes, but it's not okay to keep making them. Another topic I wanna warn you about is women. <laughs> We are the more complex species because we are emotional. Men don't understand what matters to us. All you have to do is be honest, understanding, and open-minded. Love can be a beautiful thing, but it's not like it's portrayed on TV. Treat the ladies with respect because we don't deserve otherwise. I have faith that I'm going to be a good mother and I will not allow myself to fail at that. I know you will be a blessing in my life, so in return, I'll bless you with anything you need. I love you, child, and always will. With love, your mother. My oldest son is now 11, and as he enters the confusing and crazy teenage years, I plan to give him, as well as my nine-year-old, the love and security I needed at that age. I also just started working with a nonprofit, focusing on youth development to help other kids find their sense of belonging. As for marriage, I do hope to find someone I can share my life with, but I know that now I want more than to eat, fuck, shower, or sleep with someone. I want to laugh and enjoy life with that person. As always, all the childhood writings heard in today's episode were shared with no embellishing, no exaggerating, just God-given awkwardness. And this concludes our tribute to kids who tie the knot, where we learned there's so much more to marriage than the wedding day. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't plan out something super romantic, like... What we did today, married at 4 p.m., went to Red Lobsters. <laughs> and if you want a place to think about what you want in a future spouse, check out our new book, My Mortified Life, A Guided Journal, where you'll find hundreds of writing prompts about all of your teenage memories, from your first kiss, to your worst birthday, to your coolest fashion. There's even a prompt where you're asked to draw your ideal soulmate, at various stages of your life. If you love to journal, you and your future husband or wife will love My Mortified Life. Add My Mortified Life to your holiday wish list, available on Amazon 
or at your favorite bookstore. And if you're looking for a future mate for this episode, we hear it pairs quite nicely with episode 112, which is all about breakups, and episode 93, which is all about first romances. As many of you know, the Mortified Podcast is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, which is made possible with support from the Night Foundation. Thanks to Adzerk for providing their ad-serving platform to Radiotopia. And if your company would like to support our podcast, we would really like that. Email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. Our podcast production team for this episode includes Hadley Dion, Dave Nadelberg, and myself, Neil Catcher. Stories were produced for the stage by Alex Hewitt, Frank Matthews, and Annette Ferrara. Music by Gordon Bash, Alex Burke, Adam Smith, The Angel, Zoe Rose Palladino, and Snake Snake Snakes. Big thanks to Lance Roberts Studios and all the dedicated Mortified Live producers whose work make the stage show possible. Until next time, we remind you that we are freaks, we are fragile, and we all survived.